Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours, the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you live from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, Joe Puzz, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management with our special guests. Also want to thank our sponsor, the PMO Squad. They are home to the purpose-driven PMO. Most project management solutions today focus on the what and the how, and the purpose-driven PMO focuses on the why. Without clear definition as to why your PMO and project management exist in your organization, it's hard to meet executive expectations. So contact the PMO Squad at www.thepmosquad.com to learn more, and we look forward to helping you in your PMO journey. Also want to mention that our next Veterans Project Management Mentoring Wave is kicking off in a few weeks. We are partnered with vets to pm and we've created a fantastic program, a one-of-a-kind program, where we pair, part, uh, excuse me, we pair veterans seeking to transition into civilian project management careers with project managers to help them in that transition. Each mentoring wave lasts for three months, and again, our next wave will be starting here in April. So to register as either a veteran or a mentor, please visit the PMO Squad website and select Veterans Mentoring Program from the top menu. Also, a reminder to everybody that we are live show, and we can prove that by having you tweet us questions. If you have a question for either of our guests or myself, tweet that in using hashtag PMO Joe. We'll identify that and get to your show live on air. So that's our announcements for today. I'm so excited to have our guest with us, Judy Umless from IIL and the Center for Grateful Leadership, and Jason Qualick from Melt Media. So welcome, Judy and Jason. Thank you. Happy to be here. Judy, why don't you take a, a moment here to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell everybody a little bit about you. Happy to do that. I'm Judy Umless. The brand name is Judith W. Umless, but you can feel free to call me Judy. I've been with IIL for 27 years. And it's interesting when you talk about purpose-driven, that is one company that is totally purpose-driven. And I'm so honored to be able to be with IIL for such a long time and to realize my passion, my mission, and my purpose having worked at IIL. That's where I discovered that I had uh, something that I was really put here to do, I believe, which is to teach people about the power of acknowledgement. And you'll hear more about that. I've been so honored to be a messenger for this because people are shocked at how simple it is, how um, the incredible impact it has on their teams and the, you know their companies and their families and their communities. And you'll hear more about that as well. But um, I, I started out actually, um, I was at CBS many years as a producer and I uh, was on a news-related segment. People were actually speaking to me in a very strange way when I became pregnant, I was one of the few uh, 
people who continued working at that time. That was quite a few years ago. And so uh, I finally, one day in a fit of uh, frustration, wrote an article called How Not to Talk to a Pregnant Businesswoman. Uh, a major women's publication at the time, Working Woman Magazine, published it, make it, made it their feature story. Suddenly I'm on Good Morning America and telling the world how not to talk to a pregnant businesswoman. And that's how I discovered the power of the written word. And uh, that's what I've used for the power of acknowledgement for grateful leadership. And for my third book for kids, you're totally awesome, the power of acknowledgement for kids. So that's a, a brief story and intro to me. Well, thanks. So back to you, Joe. Yeah, thanks so much. We appreciate you being on. And uh, absolutely, we have a lot to talk about today as well as some partnership news that you and I have uh, with our organizations as well. Jason, also, thank you so much for being on the show today. Can you introduce yourself and share a little bit with the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me and sort of, uh, you know, being the flag bearer for the project management community in in the area. I think a lot of us really, really appreciate that. Yeah, so my name is Jason Qualick. I'm the uh, vice president of operations at Mount Media, which is a digital agency here in Tempe, Arizona. I started my career in the digital field about 12, 13 years ago, uh, originally more as a, a programmer, developer, and have since obviously sort of uh, changed sides, if you will. I've sort of uh, evolved over time, but I've sort of spent most of my my career managing, growing, and developing teams, uh, which has kind of led me to the to the to where I am today. When I was a developer during my early career, I think I kind of fell into that. A lot of your guests have used the term, you know, accidental project management. Absolutely. I think I kind of came into project management that way as well, probably just through nature of, I guess, my own personality. I found myself wanting to control more and more and more and more of the process. Um, You know, being a developer, sometimes you're waiting on your teammates for things and they didn't get delivered or they got delivered late and you kind of leave a little bit frustrated. And so I found myself wanting to be able to control more of that process and make sure um, that, you know, things things were happening on time and there was clear planning and, and whatnot. So grew myself out of that developer role into like a software development manager role. And then from there, when I was kind of looking for new jobs and opportunities, I realized that the skill sets that I had developed over time actually really more lent themselves to project management more so than like software development or software development management. So uh, I got my, uh, I, I, you know, sort of got my first opportunity in real, you know, full on project management with an interactive uh, agency here in the Phoenix area as well. I eventually moved on to Melt Media after doing some independent contracting and things like that. I've been there nearly, not 27 years like Judy, but I've been there almost seven years, um, which is still a really long time in the tech fields, especially in the agency world where average tenure is about two years. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I've been there about seven years, made myself a a nice home there. Yeah, happy to be here today. And it's a, Melt Media is a great landing spot to be for seven years, right? It absolutely is. <laughs> well, thank you also for being here. And, and Judy, we, we had touched base a little bit there on our partnership. And I just wanted to share with everybody that our Veterans Mentoring Program has partnered with IIL on an existing conference, the 2019 Leadership and Innovation Online Conference that IIL is presenting. And you can go to www.iil.com to learn more about that. 
but our partnership has given us an opportunity to offer that conference for free to veterans, which is amazing. So thank you so much uh, for allowing that to take place. To, to do that, the veterans can register using the code VETMENT, V-E-T-M-E-N-T, and that conference is running through June 9th, so they still have an opportunity to register and get access. And then today we received notice, Judy, if you want to share with everybody at the, the next conference. Yes, we're very excited to uh, include all the veterans that are listening. And, of course, anybody else can join in as well. But um, we have our Agile and Scrum conference coming up, the online conference. So you could be anywhere in the world. And it's called Agile and Scrum, Adapt, Empower, Deliver. And it's going to be fantastic. Again, it's all the movers and shakers in that uh, field, or those are the ones that we go after, and we get a lot of them. And uh, it launches on June 6th. And then you have 90 days of access to all of the program materials and the sponsorships and everything else that's uh, part of an online conference. So we're delighted to offer this again to your wonderful collaboration uh, between Vets to PM and uh, and uh, PMO Squad. And it's so interesting because I've been searching for a partner for the past half dozen years that somebody that could be agile, as they say, and really make this happen. <laughs> I tried working with a government agency. It was that wasn't agile. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to you, I don't know, what was it like, you know, a week before the launch of this conference, I said, do you want to do this? You said, yes, let's do it. We, we got uh, Vets to PM involved and made it happen in, in a minute. And that's what I love. And for the last conference, we had 75 vets take advantage of this. We hope a lot more will this next time because it's really our gift to you, the veterans, for your service. And we really deeply appreciate your service. So it's a way of giving back. And we have a whole division of the company called IIL Cares. And this is part of that. So uh, yeah, we're excited and we're so pleased that you're letting people know about it, Joe. I I, uh, listened to your um, introduction of this a couple of programs back and I was just thrilled. So thank you for the importance that you're giving to it. Yeah, I think it's so uh, so great that, that both of you are doing something like this. Um, it's all too often overlooked. We see a lot of veterans trying to uh, get into the community, into the project management community. And uh, I think this is just uh, uh, an awesome, awesome thing that you guys are doing. Yeah, thanks so much. And, and again, you. fantastic to have 75. And as Judy mentioned, we'd love to have more. So there's no cap on the limit, right? So it's if we can get 1,000, let's get 1,000. It's, it's available to all veterans. So thank you so and then, much. And I'll plant one seed, one more seed. We have International Project Management Day coming up in November. And Joe, you know, we can make that happen as well for a third conference. We'd love to make that happen. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely do it, right? We'll not okay. hope to make it happen. We will make it happen. Great. We've heard a little bit about IIL and uh, what they're doing to help the community and all of that. But, Jason, what we haven't heard a lot yet about is Melt Media. And, and 
what they do in the digital world. So can you share a little bit more about Melt Media? And I think they're number one in Phoenix for what they offer. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that is correct. So uh, every year, uh, Phoenix Business Journal puts out the book of lists. And so repeatedly, we're often number one uh, web design, um, number one mobile app developer. Uh, we're usually on there for several other other spots, including like software development and, and things like that. Um, repeatedly on best places to work. So you mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, being a Melt Media for seven years and, and usually pretty much always a, a best place to work. Yeah, it's a, it's a good spot to be. Um, I think that's because we try to employ probably a lot of the techniques and, and things that, that Judy's probably going <laughs> to hit on in a little bit uh, today. So all, all very valid. But yeah, uh, Melt Media has been around for about... 19 years, just celebrated, yeah, our 19th anniversary party over at Octane Raceway. So took the company, every, you know, all the, all the members of the company over to Octane Raceway for our anniversary party. So got to do some, uh, race some go-karts and, uh, do some virtual reality zombie killing and, and stuff like that. <laughs> all um, the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All the fun stuff. But we, uh, we specialize in, in digital marketing and in digital execution and digital strategy. And uh, our, our niche is sort of, I guess, the, the life sciences sector, if you will. But we, we do work in all different verticals. The majority of the clients we work with are, you know, mid to large size organizations, uh, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 uh, that are typically, you know, national uh, companies. It doesn't mean we don't work with local local organizations either, but um, you know our our sweet spot has has probably been that that mid to large size life sciences uh, you know sector. So, not being overly familiar with that space, I mean, what does a client look for when they're trying to decide what sort of digital partner to go with? Yeah, well, that's a that's a great question. So, I would say the first thing you want to look for is a match, right? You don't want to seek out an agency that deals with Fortune 500 companies if you're not a big entity in and of mm -hmm. yourself because each uh, each agency is going to structure to its main uh, its its main clientele, right? So they're going to build an infrastructure that's best suited to them and servicing their clients. And if you don't really fit in that same wheelhouse or, or realm, uh, in some way, shape, or form, you're probably paying a cost. You're probably paying a cost for more overhead because maybe you have a certain amount of staff on hand that's capable of dealing with, you know, financial regulations or, or uh, healthcare regulations and things like that. And if you're maybe, you know, a person who owns your own car repair shop, uh, you may not need uh, a staff that's, you know, capable of doing some of those things. So it may be pretty costly for you to try to work with an, an agency like that, right? Or vice versa, if you are a big entity and you're you're seeking out an agency, you don't want to go to somebody who's not familiar with a lot of those regulations and processes and things like that because you'll 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 find out the hard way, right? That they're not familiar with it. Um, deadlines will be missed. Compliance issues will happen and, and, and things of that nature. So I definitely think a, a match is, you know, the, the first, the first thing as far as size and, and, uh, what they, what their core competencies are. And then a good cultural fit is really important because when you're working in, in digital, whether you're doing a mobile app or, uh, you know, a new website or, or some sort of intranet system, you're going to be working with a project manager 
a lot, right? You're, you're going to be talking over email every day. You're going to have uh, your status check-ins at least once a week, if not more. You're going to have all your review cycles and things like that that you're going to be interacting with one another. Uh, on-site meetings, people are going to be going to, you know, client offices, clients are going to be coming to our organization or the agency. And you want to make sure that you you jive well and connect well with one another. Because um, if you don't, you're not a good cultural fit with one another. You're not going to enjoy working with one another. And you're, you're going to be spending a lot of time together. So uh, I think that's really important. I think it's really key that you sort of make sure that whoever you're dealing with, no, no matter what size agency, they're asking you what your actual business goals are. Because if they're not going to ask you that, that should be a little bit of a red flag. Cause sure. Sometimes, uh, especially smaller agencies are out to land the job, land the gig, make the, make the dollar. And it's just, yeah, we can do that for you. Yeah, we can do that for you, you know, whatever you want. Um, but really, it's important that uh, whoever you're communicating with is trying to understand your business goals because without understanding that, the project manager can't create the right plan. The team who's actually executing on it isn't going to have the right mindset to make the right decisions because uh, decisions get made, as you know, every day on the fly. And without understanding what those end business goals and objectives are, uh, they're not going to be able to make the right, you know, decisions for you. Yeah. I mean, that's, I love the description to make sure there's a fit, right? The culture there, the component of that. And it, it brings me back to you, Judy, when you were talking about the beginning of how you've got a fit now, when you found grateful leadership and the power of acknowledgement, uh, you knew that it was a fit and it, it's now easy, right? It flows for you. Yeah. How did you come about writing the your first book, right? The power of acknowledgement and, and what some of the effects of that? Well, what I learned from that experience when I was working at CBS was how powerful words are to help change a condition that you really can't tolerate. I could not tolerate another person saying uh, something like, you're not coming back to work after the baby is born, right? I mean, it was just awful, awful. So I've had a beef a bone to pick with society for years and years. And that is when I acknowledge someone, and I'm talking about, you know, the lady in the coffee shop who remembers what my order is without my having to tell her. You know, when I acknowledge her, I get this look of shock on her face. And she says, after, you know, a, a pause, thank you for thanking me. No one ever does that. You know, and uh, you know, to me, that's deplorable. And it happened at work. It happened among family members. People just were in shock when they got acknowledged. And it was so unusual that I said one day to our CEO, we had a, a publishing division at, at uh, IIL, and I asked our CEO, Laverne Johnson, I said, could I write a book? You know, I was a publisher, but I'd never thought of publishing my own book just because I was an English major. <laughs> I never thought I'd write a book. And uh, she said, well, what's it about? I said, it's about how people aren't getting acknowledged in society and business and families. And she said, what would you call it? I said, the power of acknowledgement. She said, do it. And it, just like that, I wrote the book. I mean, it took uh, probably close to a year to write it. But then the minute it was published, I was on the road. <laughs> I got sent to, uh, I think, my very first 
on-site gig was in Trinidad. They they wanted to send me far away in case I flopped. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what happened was they ha- they had about forty people there. Uh, we had a very active manager down there who really got the you know a good crowd for a day long se- no it was half day seminar, and about. Halfway through, I did an exercise called the Knock Your Socks Off Power of Acknowledgement exercise. And I ask people to acknowledge somebody who they never have and should have acknowledged. And so while they're writing, and it was, you know, it was like a 10 or 15 minute exercise. While they're writing, suddenly I start seeing tears rolling down someone's cheeks suddenly someone else is sobbing and somebody else is just like hiccuping, you know? And I grabbed our manager down. I said, what's happening with my course? (laughs) What is going on here? And he said, bravo, Judy, this is, you've touched such a deep place in people and this is what they need. This is what they want. And you know, I have found that over and over again. I mean, it's not like everybody cries when they take my course, but uh, a lot of emotion is released when people realize the high cost they've been paying for not appreciating out loud their feelings you know, t- uh, to the people that they uh, care about. And I mean, I've had people run at somebody once at Volvo say to me, he said, I have to leave the room. And I, and I said, why? You know, he's like so urgent. Are you okay? He said, yes, I've got to go out and acknowledge the receptionist who's been there for 50 years. <laughs> and I've never, ever appreciated her. I always say thank you, but I never expressed to her how incredible a role she plays in setting the tone for our company, for making sure our foreign visitors have places to sleep and that they are well fed. And he said, I never did it. And then suddenly everybody else is getting up from their seat. I never did either. I got I got I've got to go thank her also. I've got to acknowledge her. So we sent Tom out as the emissary. I said, you come back, you give her a copy of my book and tell her how much you appreciate her and then come back and tell us about it. He came back. He was in tears. He said she had no idea. Jeanette was her name. She had no idea how much people valued her. She was about to retire. It turned out her, you know, uh, retirement party was a few months afterwards, and she never had an idea that she made a difference. That's what people don't know if we don't express in a heartfelt way what their performance, who they are, their, um, you know, just what they give, how it affects us and our, and the team and the whole company. So that's, it, it does release a lot of emotion when people realize they've not been doing it. Yeah, as, you were, I, as you were telling your story, I started thinking, of course, that the time we do acknowledge everybody is the retirement party, right? It, yeah. It's at the end That's we it. say thank you, and <laughs> and we we don't take the time during the actual time it matters when they're with us. Uh, why do you think it's so hard for us to do that? I, I'm I'm guilty, right? Guilty as charged. I I have struggled with that myself. Well, we all have a lot of barriers to 
you know, really deeply expressing our appreciation to people. I think a lot of people are afraid to be vulnerable. And, um, you know, vulnerability is something to be proud of. And in fact, uh, there's a social scientist named Brene Brown who's written books and she delivers a phenomenal TED talk called The Power of Vulnerability. And she feels it's actually, you know, the core of creativity, of engagement, of accomplishment. So when you tell somebody how deeply you feel about them, who they are as people, not just the job they did, you know, you you might get a little emotional. They might get a little emotional. So I say, so what? You know, it's really um, a gift you're giving them. And other uh, barriers come up also. I mean, people are afraid of making another person look better than they feel they are. There's jealousy, competition. I mean, you know, I go into a lot of reasons in my courses and my keynotes, and we all have them, but we can all say, thank you to our minds for sharing and do it anyway. You know, it's like, just take the risk. And it feels at first, it feels like a risk until you see the, the miracles that you produce by doing this. I mean, I have people uh, in our center for grateful leadership. We have an amazing community of people who are really so enthusiastic about grateful leadership and the power of acknowledgement that they live it, they breathe it, and they want to know how to make it take root in their companies. So that's what we do in the center. We have all kinds of uh, events. We have monthly webinars. We have weekly podcasts. Your question is a really critical one, Joe. You know, what stops us from doing it? And we're, we're all guilty of it at certain times. You know, I've had to say to myself, I've actually walked away from uh, a person that really helped me. And I said, thank you. And I walked away and I turned around and I came back and I, and I said to them, you have no idea what a difference what you did made. And then I, this was some, something that happened at LaGuardia Airport. There was no place to drop off a passenger. So we got off in a work zone and one of the workers carried our bags and took us to uh, a cart. And I mean, he was so wonderful. And I said, I need to know your boss. <laughs> and I wrote a letter to the Port Authority about him because it made such a difference to us. But I almost, I almost didn't. So, you know, sometimes it feels like a little bit of work. Sometimes it feels like a little bit of risk. But I say, do it anyway. Yeah, Judy, the uh, the timing is sort of impeccable on this. Um, the CEO of Melt Media just last week or maybe the week prior just wrote um, an article uh, about vulnerability and oh. uh, yeah, and and it being you know a strength and and not a weakness. So um, wow, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> really hitting home. Um, so it's great to you know hear that that validation, you know, that reinforcement um, of a similar message. And the other thing is, I think um, you know, as as many of us sort of mature in our careers and maybe we uh, obtain direct reports and we build rapport with people. 
sometimes it's easier to connect with them because we have certain one-on-ones or we have um, uh, over time these developed relationships with them where it makes it maybe a little bit easier to sometimes remember to acknowledge them. But in the project management space, you know, I think we often forget that we're viewed as leaders in this sort of cross-discipline, cross-matrix environment. And we may not be acknowledging those who do not directly report to us, you know, those who are all contributing to the to the greater goal uh, that we're all working on collectively. And so I think it's really easy for us to, to overlook that sometimes as well. Thank you so much for validating the importance of this message. And this message is I've also had people say to me in my courses, this is not rocket science. I said, I know that. He said, I knew all this. <laughs> I said, but did you do it? Yep. No. <laughs> it's that conscious effort, right? Of like needing to, you, you got to keep doing it and you need to kind of live it. Otherwise, um, yeah, you just, you'll just move yeah, past make, it. Makes me think of a, a story a while back. I was PMO manager at Bell Helicopter. Of course, we're building helicopters for our armed services for the military to be able to go out and protect us. And we would frequently get the pilots would come in and use the simulator and work through the different design we would have on cockpits, et cetera. And every single pilot, when they were walked down the halls, we'd share halls with them, would always say thank you to us. And it, it, wow. would, it always seemed so strange. It was like, why aren't we thanking them for defending us? But they were, every one of them would always thank us. Yeah. Oh, it's it's funny. beautiful. It's, it's uh, well, it's it's amazing how reciprocal that can be. Um, you know, you you talk about uh, grateful leadership, and then immediately when I hear that term, I start thinking of leaders in an in industry or leaders in an organization. Um, but really, I know that as you just you know there there is a there is a reciprocation there that can happen. So. One of the things that we've done in our organization, uh, we implemented about eight years ago and still running strong with it, but we have something called Superhero Awards. And actually what we've done is we pushed it into the organization. So anybody in the organization, uh, any role, you know, uh, any any job discipline can nominate another individual for acknowledgement. And then once a month at our company all hands meetings, we go through and we read that list like this person is being acknowledged for their contributions to this thing. They went above and beyond here and and helped with that. And we tie it back to one of our company core values. So, you know, uh, teamwork or accountability or whatever it is. And so that's been going over really well. And it also um, it isn't just leadership who's who's doing that. Right. It's it's all those within the organization who can contribute to that. And then on the flip side of that, uh, to your point that you just made, Joe, is oftentimes, you know, the, the, the partners, uh, the managing partners at our organization will do something, you know, nice for everybody there. Uh, maybe it's, oh, you know, there's a holiday on Monday. We're going to, bunch of guys just all leave on Friday, right? And just go home, beat traffic and whatever. And you'll just see the response chain, you know, of everybody going back up, you know, bottom up, not just top down of people, um, you know, thank you. That's so generous. And, you know, that's so kind. And, and it really does, if you, if you can do it right and do it often enough, it's clear uh, the difference it can make, you know, with, with people, not just in an organization, but personal lives and, and all that. Well, it goes back to the title of that first book, right? The power of acknowledgement, not just acknowledgement, right? Yeah. And there's the, the great story there of, of what the power is up, right? Not just Yeah. Down. Yep. 
That's so great. And Jason, I want to acknowledge your CEO for the culture he's creating. I think it's wonderful. It's, and I, I would appreciate it if you would connect me at some point because he might be, uh, you know, a, he might come and do a presentation for us at our Center for Grateful Leadership, like Joe is doing next week, in fact. Joe is our lead presenter at our Center for Grateful Leadership webinar. And it will be on February 11th at one o'clock. And he's talking about how the purpose-driven PMO connects with gratitude. And I think that's definitely going to be worth listening to. But um, Jason, I think your CEO is setting a wonderful example. And I would love to read that letter with his permission, of course, that he sent about vulnerability being a positive aspect of uh, the work life because it, people are so scared of it and they'll do anything to not be vulnerable. And yet that's really where the humanity lies. That's where uh, the power to acknowledge people fully and generously and profoundly, you know, and, and, and we've heard cases of, you know, the power of acknowledgement to save lives. I mean, I've heard a couple of examples of that, literally, uh, where an acknowledgement made such a difference. It prevented somebody from taking a very negative action they were planning to take. So, you know, it's, I, I can't speak highly enough of the power of the power of acknowledgement. What I think is interesting, right, for all of this discussion is as project management leaders, almost everybody on our team, project team, that's their B job, right? They have an A job and then the project is that side opportunity that they take on. And how frequently are we using acknowledgement as leaders on those projects to thank those people for stepping up and getting that work done? And I think that's a shortcoming we probably have across the profession. Frequently we, we talk on the show about the soft skills and motivation and influence and listening. And I think acknowledgement and gratefulness is a very powerful tool to be able to bring back to our team members and turn that into motivation, right? We touched on that a little bit with Ruth Pierce in our last show and uh, getting our team members to be able to actually go above and beyond and work for us. So as project managers, I hope everyone out there is listening and, and taking notes because I think Jason and Judy are hitting on some really important things for us. And I just would also like to say, Joe, uh, you know, in line with that, if you read uh, the PMBOK guide, with, whether you're a PMP or just want to read the PMBOK guide for pleasure, I mean, they talk about developing your project team and under tools and techniques, they talk about recognition and rewards, which is great. I think that's important. But I would just, I've been trying for the past three editions of the PMBOK guide to get them to include acknowledgement because for everybody's benefit, there is a big distinction between recognition, which is very important. And it's like, you know, Jason was talking about the superhero awards. I think that's fantastic. But it's not the same as a heartfelt communication that lets someone know the difference they make and the value they bring. 
That's why I'm trying to get acknowledgement into the PMBOK guide. Maybe you can all help me, but <laughs> I, I, I haven't succeeded yet. <laughs> well, I, I can certainly make an attempt, but I, I don't know if I would put the PMBOK on my bookshelf in the casual no. reading category. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But what the importance is, like you said, project managers are certainly needing to know this, you know, it, it's not just a pat on the head, you know, good boy, good girl, you know, great job. That That's recognition. Acknowledgement is, you know, we couldn't have gotten this done without you and your commitment and you, you, what you bring, you bring such an energy to this team and to the company. And yeah, I mean, you, I can go on and on with illustrations, but you all know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. There is a big difference. And in fact, whenever I deliver uh, a keynote or teach a course, that's the number one eye opener. Everybody thinks they've been acknowledging people and they don't see a great impact. They say, OK, well, thank you. People are, you know, pleased to get a, uh, you know, what they thought was an, they were giving in terms of an acknowledgement, but when they suddenly start really opening their hearts and giving it in, from a vulnerable place and letting people know that they make a difference, you see an incredibly positive reaction. And that's why I, I know that project managers need to d start using that uh, as a way of, uh, you know, getting the best project through and, you know, the highest quality with the greatest energy of their team members and commitments. So, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a tool that we use in these courses. Um, it's called the five C's. If I could take a minute, Joe, just to tell what they are very sure. quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, the first C is for consciousness. You have to be aware of the acknowledgements that are already floating through your brain. We have these great thoughts about people. We just don't bother to deliver them to them. So that's co being conscious first. Then you have a choice. Are you going to deliver that acknowledgement or let it go into the you know swamp or tell yourself, I'll do it another time because you won't. I promise you, 99% of the time you won't. You'll forget. There'll be distractions. So, you know, choice is... Yeah, I believe it should always be yes with uh, a few exceptions, very rare exceptions. Then courage. It does take courage to express a heartfelt acknowledgement, to make yourself vulnerable, to let another person know how valued and appreciated they are. What if they ask me for a raise and say, well, I like your words, but I really want money. That's not what happens most of the time. Then communication is the fourth C. How are you going to do it? There are thousands of ways to do it in this day and age, you know, from Skype to skywriting. You know, we've got it all. Face-to-face -face is also very valuable, and people forget about that. Telephone still exists, and uh, emails are great. So that's the fourth C. The fifth is commitment. How do you make this take root? How do you make it a part of your culture? Some teams start every meeting reading. We have a, a poster of the five C's 
and they read that. They go through it. They implement it. People put it up on their uh, office doors. I've heard a million examples. Somebody has it shrunk and put on her laptop. (laughs) So you can do a lot of things with it. And if anybody wants a copy of that poster, I'd be happy to send it to you. It's downloadable. You can share it with the world. I'll just tell you my email address is Judy, J-U-D-Y, dot umless, U-M for Mary, L for Larry, A for Apple, S for Sam, at I-I-L, two I's, one L, dot com. And I'd be delighted to share that poster with you of the five C's. It's a very easy to use tool and it can become a real habit in a good way. I love that. And again, that got me thinking as well. Um, one of our first clients and strongest clients we've ever had with the PMO squad was Napa Auto Parts. And of course, they've got their, their saying, Napa know-how, right? It's their their, mm. their tagline. And we were running a big project for them. And within the project team, uh, they had a big can of Napa know-how with nothing inside it, but it was just a symbolic can of Napa know-how. <laughs> and that at each weekly team meeting, the winner of that award of the, the the performer of the week would have to acknowledge on the team somebody else. So it wasn't leadership acknowledging, it was team driven, where we were handing out Napa know-how to each other. Mm. So within using the, the common culture of that organization and ways to be able to share that, it was a great project-based experience uh, for listeners to creatively think of ways, how can we work within our own culture to hand out a superhero award or hand out a, a Napa know-how, not as recognition, but as an acknowledgement of what you're doing and how that can benefit the whole team as a whole and, of course, the culture of the company. And Jason, Perfect, I, yeah. you know, I, I, your role, right, VP of operations is so much more than just project management, right? And obviously, you own that relationship with your customers and all projects come to an end, right? There's a defined beginning and a defined end. So what happens with that relationship at the completion of a project, right? I mean, I want an inside story of what that looks like. (laughs) Sure. I kind of liken this to like, maybe, you know, you build a house and, you know, you go through that whole construction process. And then at the end of it, right, you get your keys and, and you move in. And maybe, you know, five, 10, 15 years later, you go through a remodel and you, you go back out and you, you find a, a contractor, maybe your original builder, right? And you, you add on to the house or something like that. Well, in the digital industry, about 10 years ago, that's exactly kind of how things works. Like, hey, I want this website built or I need this mobile, mobile application built. And so uh, organizations would seek out a vendor who could do that for them and then kind of say, okay, thanks. I, I got it. I got the keys um, and kind of disappear and not reappear until they needed an expansion or, or, or needed something new or, you know, with technology because it's changing so often, it's just, I need to update and, you know, you know, keep things up to date. So, but what's happened now, especially with larger larger companies and because of some of the, the trends that are happening in the industry, is that you're really not ending the projects. You may have a deployment and you may be deploying a website or an application, but really where everything's going, I mean, all you got to do is look on, you know, Amazon or Walmart or whatever to see what's being kind of labeled as uh, personalization. And it's taking all this data and information, right, that they they can get on an individual. And then how do they then tailor content back to uh, their end consumers? So 
what's happening is after you you know you meet your initial requirements and you you do your development and you go through your whole uh, software development life cycle and you deploy, then we move in typically move into this iteration phase, and that's where it's a lot of trial and error. It's A/B testing. It's multivariate testing. This is really where you start to dig in and try things and really start to try to turn around that ROI, increase your sales, increase your connections with your with your customers and your consumers. And this is also where our uh, you know where project managers are playing a huge huge role because uh, oftentimes at project manager it has that established relationship with uh, whatever you know client or organization that they've been working with. And so really over time, they've built that trust, they've built that relationship, and they're that key point of contact. And so it's amazing after deployment, how many sort of like inside sales you can generate from those connections that aren't even, if, if the trust is there, the relationship's there, they're not going out and looking for another, you know, organization to come in and just do odds and ends of stuff for them, right? They already have a trusted partner. And so they're reaching out to those project managers um, saying, hey, I, you know, you guys did this for us. We have this new opportunity. What can you do for us, right? And so the project managers then go and, you know, round up the the masses and, and all the right resources and, you know, put new plans and scopes together. And that's one of the things that can actually fly under the radar sometimes in, in an agency or in any corporation um, that maybe like a, a CRO or a CEO isn't necessarily looking at. They're looking at those those new sales and those new opportunities that are coming in. And so it's easy to kind of neglect that the amount of uh, inside sales that can often be generated um, you know, from just that established relationship that the the project manager already has. So, you know, after launch, really, the relationships aren't ending the way that they used to end. Yeah, uh, you know, they're they're people are really sticking around because they know that's not it for them. They they don't want to just have a site; they want the best site. How do they get the best site? They just keep going. They just keep you know pushing through it. Um, some organizations still have that mindset of kind of one and done, but the more um, the more mature organizations with a more mature digital or digital marketing, you know, branch or division, they understand that no, we gotta we gotta keep pushing this, we gotta keep going, you know, we gotta we gotta keep pushing this thing forward. Well, it seems like at Belt Media, at least, right, the purpose of your PMO doesn't end on the delivery of the project, right, oh. and understanding the connection. Whereas you said some agencies or some organizations, projects over, project manager moves on to the next project. And I'm sure that happens with Melt Media as well. But you're engaged as a probably a lifelong partner then. Yeah, we that's what we want to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, we certainly, you know, there's definitely been times earlier on in my career where I've experienced that, um, you know, sort of one and done philosophy. Uh, where I'm at now today at Melt Media, uh, we, we want the partnerships, you know, uh, we think we work best in that model. We're structured for that model. Um, and, you know, the longer the longer you can keep folks working together and interacting with each other and building that camaraderie, just the better results you're going to have at the end of the day. Yeah, I love it. And again, goes once again to speak to the power of project management and, and how it carries beyond just the project. Also, the thing that you know, kind of stood out for me there is you said it's not a one and done. And Judy, that comes back to you of, right, you didn't write just one book and you were done. You came on with a second book, right? Grateful Leadership. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, when I started uh, traveling the world, actually, I, I 
went to Brazil and Finland and some really just wonderful uh, uh, locations for conferences and on-site training. Um, I heard story after story after story, and the stories were so moving and inspiring. And, you know, nowadays you see a lot about the power of storytelling, and people would tell me these stories about their bosses, about uh, their families. <laughs> I remember one time I was training the um, New York Police Department, and uh, it was a two-day course. And the second day, the guy, one of the uh, officers came back and he said, thanks a lot, Judy. I said, for what? <laughs> I was a little scared by the way he said it. He said, you got me in real trouble. I said, I did? What did I do? He said, I went home and I wrote this beautiful letter to my wife telling her all the things I love about her and how great a wife she is. And, and she said, okay, what'd you do wrong? So, <laughs> Note to self, don't write letter to my wife like that. <laughs> so, I mean, there were funny stories and real, you know, just uh, amazing things. And I said, I have to write another book. Because I hadn't seen the results of the first book. The first book is 112 pages. It's like a one-hour read. And it just, you know, flowed from within me. The second book, I heard people's stories. I collected them. Um, and a lot of research started to come out about the science of gratitude and how it really changes our body chemistry. And so I incorporated all that. But uh, it was funny because when uh, I wrote that book, I had a, a working title of Leadership and the Power of Acknowledgement. And uh, McGraw-Hill uh, decided they were going to publish the book, but they came to our offices one day and they said, what do you think of the title Grateful Leadership instead of Leadership and the Power of Acknowledgement? And I, I was quiet for like three seconds, which is a lot for me. And, uh, and I said, oh my God, that's an amazing title. And I got goosebumps. That's my ultimate test of anything true or wonderful. I get goosebumps. I said, that's an amazing title, but I'm, I'm sure there must be a zillion things out there called grateful leadership. And I went right to my computer and I typed in the words grateful leadership on Google and did you ever hear of a Google whack? Have you, are you familiar with that term? Uh, only because your listeners are only because you sent me the link to the story <laughs> describing it. <laughs> I won't share the punchline. <laughs> All right, thank you. Well, a Google whack is one, getting one hit on Google for two words together, any two words together, and it's very rare. Even if you put nonsense words together, you get more than one, one hit. And so I got that one hit and it was just a blog post that, um, a, a someone from the CIO of NASA had written on Thanksgiving. She said, we must all practice grateful leadership on Thanksgiving. And it was a lovely article, but I wanted grateful leadership to be practiced every minute of every day. So I said, okay, let's go with it. So that was the title. And then uh, just for fun, uh, not too long ago, I Googled grateful leadership and there were 97 
million hits on Grateful Leadership. And I have to say, we were at the top and most of those hits were IIL, IIL's Grateful Leadership. So I'm very proud. I know it's out there. I know it's making a difference, but I'm a little bit greedy when it comes to Grateful Leadership and the power of acknowledgement. I just want to repair the entire world. And I believe that this can do it. If I could only get our world leaders together in a room, <laughs> and you know, I, I have a vision. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, have mission will travel. Uh, <laughs> I'll go anywhere but a war zone. But uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's such a powerful and simple notion. And it was the leaders who asked me to write a book for their children. That's what made motivated me to write. The power of acknowledgement for kids, because they said, I don't want them to be 30 or 40 or 50 before they learn the power of acknowledgement. I want them to learn it now. And at first, I kind of thought it was a little, uh, you know, a little much for a kid. But one time I was out in California where my brother and his family live, I was uh, delivering a keynote address out there and uh, they wanted to know I was there without their uncle Bob, my husband. And I said, I'm, I'm delivering a talk to about a thousand people. And the two of them, they were age five and seven at the time. They said, what are you talking about, Aunt Judy? And I said, I'm talking about the power of acknowledgement. What's an acknowledgement? And I described it in simple terms. It's when you make somebody feel very good by telling them something very nice about themselves. And a couple of hours later, the little one, uh, David, was throwing a ball to his brother, Michael. And he said, Michael, I hope when I'm your age, I will play soccer as well as you play it. And, and they were just kind of you know, playing around. Usually they were fighting. And Michael said, thank you, David. And David gets this huge smile, this impish grin on his face. And he turns to me because I'm a witness to this. He said, and that's an acknowledgement. <laughs> so he was five and he got it. And that's when I started writing that book. And that's uh, been in schools and some PTAs. And, you know, I really, uh, with, with IIL behind me, all these, what is it, uh, 2006 to 2019, that's 13 years with this message. IIL has supported it so completely, and I'm so grateful. I truly am grateful. And uh, so that's why I wrote the second and the third book. Yeah, if, if a five-year-old can understand it then and, and implement it, then we should be able to do that too, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I have and the... I have the Grateful Leadership book in front of me. It's it's a fantastic book. It's an oh, easy book to read you. and lots of tools in there to help us, right, as project managers understand and appreciate the power that we have as leaders and how we can use um, non-traditional, unfortunately, I'm going to say non-traditional tools to be better leaders and help us, you know, succeed in our projects. Let's try yes. to make it become traditional, right? And and take away the non-traditional, unfortunate part of that. Yay. Amen. Well, Judy <laughs> and Jason, I, I, again, hard to imagine how quickly these the, the hour goes by and the time flies, but we're coming up on the end of our show. And I want to give each of you an opportunity to be able to let the listeners uh, know how they can contact you, anything you may have upcoming, 
uh, or any last words you want to share with the listener. So, Judy, we'll start with you. Thank you, Joe. Uh, this has been a phenomenal discussion. I really have to say I totally enjoyed it. If I can leave your listeners with any one thought, it's go to the Center for Grateful Leadership, www.gratefulleadership.com and join our center. It's free. We've got all of these uh, webinars and we're reaching our 100th podcast on April 8th, next week, because one of our members, uh, Jim Trella of General Motors, an IT project manager, just decided after he took the course that he needed to do a weekly Monday morning podcast. So it's just amazing what comes out of this. And Joe will be on on April 11th. So that's the best way. And I gave you my email address. Feel free. It's judy.umless at iil.com. Write me. I will promise to return every email. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being on, Judy. And also thank you, of course, for the opportunity to talk with your members of the Grateful Center for Grateful Leadership next Wednesday. And of course, next Thursday, it's the 11th. (laughs) That's right. A week from today. And then, of course, thank you as well for your participation and leadership with IIL to to help our veterans and give them the the access to those online conferences. Jason, same for you as well. Yeah, thanks. Um, Well, thanks again for uh, inviting me out today. And uh, Judy, it's been uh, uh, great chatting with you. Um, Me too. You can can check Melt Media out at... uh, Digital Pharma East and Digital Pharma West, also DP East and DP West for short, um, West being West Coast, East being East Coast. Um, they usually happen, um, uh, each one usually happens about once a year, but we usually either present, co-present with uh, some of our clients or, or panel um, at, at those conferences. Um, my name is Jason Qualick. I'm the Vice President of Operations for Melt Media, and you can contact me at jason at meltmedia.com. And uh, meltmedia.com website for anybody who wants to learn more about the services Melt Media offers. Uh, Absolutely. It's got all the info right there. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for being on. Fantastic discussion. I really appreciate it. And also, of course, thank you to all of our listeners. We are live the first and third Thursday each month. I also do want to mention that we do have a new sponsor that's going to be joining us or an additional sponsor, I should say, in May. So we're really looking forward to that. And we'll announce that on our next show on April 18th, where our guests will be Todd Williams and Dustin Thompson. Also a reminder that these shows are recorded, so please be sure to subscribe to the Project Management Office Hours podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, uh, or whatever, Podbean, etc. Whatever your podcast platform of choice is, we're available on all of them. Uh, Don't be bashful, write a review and and, uh, let us know what we're doing well. Also want to just give one last notice as well that I'll be the keynote speaker for the Southwest Ontario chapter of PMI Symposium on April 25th. Uh, So you can go out to PMISWOC.org and register for that event. Uh, That'll be at the London Ontario Convention Center. So really looking forward to speaking there. Also want to say thank you to our sponsor one last time, the PMO Squad. Uh, we're working to reset your thinking about the project management office. Perhaps it isn't project management office anymore. Maybe it should be purpose, measure, and optimize. 
Let purpose be the center of what you're doing and not just projects. So that's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. (laughs) 